This is a Rooster Teeth production. Could a zombie apocalypse happen in real life? The answer may be a little closer to yes than you'd like. Welcome to 30 Morbid Minutes. This is the podcast where we explore topics of a morbid, macabre, dark, and downright grisly nature, including zombies. I'm Elise Willems. And I'm Jessica Vasami. The year was 1967, and George Clinton and his band Parliament Funkadelic were on their way to a show. And they had just dropped a bunch of LSD. I don't know their music, but they sound really fun. (laughs) (laughs) They sure do. Everyone was really, really high on acid, especially Billy Bass Nelson, who was in the driver's seat. The band was driving south on Franklin Road in Pennsylvania, about half a mile outside of Evan City and about 30 minutes north of Pittsburgh. Billy Basil, he liked a shortcut. He was always trying to find the quickest route possible. That's what he was thinking while he approached a road blockade. There must be a shortcut to take. Billy Bass hung a left, feeling pretty proud of himself, but also still very high. Yeah, don't recommend driving high. As the car crept down the dark, quiet road, the band approached what they quickly realized was not a shortcut. It was a graveyard. Suddenly, they saw movement. Bloody, moaning creatures emerged from the trees and graves dragging themselves towards the car. Was it the acid or was this real? Well, it was very real to George Clinton, who was so scared he started screaming bloody murder and peed his pants. Uh, It was zombies to him. Zombies. Mm -hmm. Real, fleshy, bloody zombies heading straight for the band. The whole car screamed for Billy Bass to turn around. I can't even imagine being in this situation. (laughs) Like you're high, you see zombies. What is going on? Yeah, so Billy Bass busted that U-turn and they got the hell out of there and did not look back. No way. The shortcut Billy Bass took was actually a dead-end road to Evans City Cemetery, now infamous as the set of the opening scene in the 1968 horror movie Night of the Living Dead. George Clinton and his acid-tripping funk band had driven onto the set while cameras were rolling. Not even the zombie <laughs> actors knew it was happening, so they just went with it. I love this. I love it's, that you're like, you're like this van wasn't in the pages, but I guess I'm going to crawl toward it. But it just makes it 10 times better because, yes, you're driving onto a movie set of, of zombies and everything, but you're also high on LSD. So yeah. it's just like... It quite there's a part of me that wants to experience this, but I don't like want to be on LSD to experience. Yes, this. <laughs> yes, and like, oh gosh, I can't even imagine a worse thing happening. No, no, but yeah. So like to what you're saying, whether it was the copious amounts of LSD mm-hmm. or the actors unsettling uh, zombie blood <laughs> that they had on, which was actually chocolate syrup, you know, a la psycho. George Clinton still thinks back to that horror that night. Maybe a shortcut isn't worth it after all. No, and don't drive high. (laughs) Don't drive high that too. Maybe the Funkadelic Parliament or whatever they were called to think about that too. Mm -hmm. From flesh wounds to reanimation to fungi that controls your very brain, there are a lot of ways to fantasize about how zombies could take over the world. But there are some real life scenarios that cross the thin line of zombie fantasy into zombie outbreak. I am so excited for this episode. (laughs) I know you are. But Elise, describe what a zombie looks like in your mind. Um, I think it's like heavily influenced by the media that I've watched. So I think about just general decay. I think like of a zombie that they've been 
just trudging along slowly for some time without anything to eat. So the meat on their body is starting to like wither away. Their eyes are white. They, Mm -hmm. their mouths agape. They're just moaning. Mm -hmm. What about you? I love that you went to the slow zombies. I know we'll get into this, but (laughs) I think that was, I think that was my, my mental (laughs) self-preservation. No, same. I would prefer the slow zombies over the fast zombies uh, any day. I Um, I also like like the zombie humor of brains. Oh, for sure. You know? Oh yeah. Um, No, I just think the same thing. What I see in the media, my personal favorite uh, zombie is the ones from Shaun of the Dead because they just seem slow and dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get into all that later. But the zombie is most often seen as, you know, a flesh-eating, decaying, undead corpse roaming the earth for human brains. But when you get down to it, the history of zombies is actually pretty diverse and quite complicated. Yeah. Like we just talked briefly, but there are so many different kinds of zombies. There's the slow ones, the fast ones, the fungal, voodoo, magical, just to name a few. And with each variation of zombie comes a unique story of how humans in these scenarios became these undead walking the earth souls. Mm-hmm. Like the show, The Walking Dead, which has been shooting in Austin. They're not shooting anymore, but oh, shot yeah. in Austin. Really, mm-hmm. really cool. I th- we know someone who was on a sh- show with us that we made, Arizona Circle. Yeah. The dancer, Paul, he he was an extra on that show. Yes. So he got made up as a zombie. I love it. it. It makes sense. You know, him being a dancer, having to kind of oh, contort your body. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, The Walking Dead, for example, in a fictional uh, alternate 2010 reality, an airborne ravenous infection called the wildfire virus affected almost everybody, uh, causing a global outbreak. And uh, when you think about an airborne infection that spreads across the globe at a rapid speed, at this point in 2023, it hits a little too close to home. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to scare you, but in The Walking Dead, when the infected person dies, they reanimate and become vessels for the virus. By reactivating the brainstem, the virus can control the body and use it for its hosting needs. Yeah, and we've seen this type of infection and host creation in other media, like The Last of Us video game, not the show. (laughs) Yes. Um, But the video game, it's like airborne. Yes, there are actual, some real fungi species on Earth that can and definitely do this exact same thing. Zombie mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Um, and parasites like the Brazilian jungle fungus, this parasite needs carpenter ants to complete its life cycle. It infects the ant with deadly spores, which releases chemicals that control the insect's brainstem and nervous system. Which makes the carpenter ant its personal zombie. I have such a soft spot for ants. I hate this. Same. It forces these poor ants to climb or move. It controls their limbs via its brainstem, and then it just like sends them in a walking motion unbeknownst to them. Yes. Uh, side convo real quick. Uh, are Do you have a soft spot for ants because of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? No, I did love that movie and watch it a lot as a kid. And I loved Auntie, but I also was just a big bug kid. So, you know, I would make little ant terrariums and give them breadcrumbs and oh. add little bubble tape containers. And so I just liked ants. Okay. Love it. I my... Maybe maybe I didn't know, but yeah, sorry, go on. No, I love it. Mine, mine is just because of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I just fell mm-hmm. in love with. Anyway. Okay. Back to the show. <laughs> Um, Yes, the uh, Brazilian jungle fungus. So it might force the zombie ant to climb up a leaf to the Brazilian jungle fungus's exact height and preferred humidity level. Then it opens the mouth of the ant and forces it to clamp down on the leaf. A large spire cracks out of the top of the head, spewing zombie-like spores to infect more ants. 
And now this is similar to how it's been going down in the Last of Us TV show, if you've been watching that, with these kind of like growing almost plant-like funguses that are infecting and permeating the the planet and people. Another zombie-like fungus is the Massospora fungus. It targets cicadas, specifically male periodical cicadas. Yeah, cicadas spend most of their life underground as nymphs. And as they crawl through the dirt to begin their lives, they come in contact with this deadly spore. Mm -hmm. The zombie fungal infection is completely sealed inside the abdomen of the cicada. It causes the genitals of the zombified cicadas to fall off and then reveal this like white chalky plug of fungus. Um, Also, the loss of genitals makes their mating calls higher pitched. Which is important. Uh, Yes. Infected males then respond to the mating calls of both males and females, attracting healthy males through the flick of their wings. Typically, only female cicadas do that. Yeah. So it's creating this trick and controlling the brain of the zombie cicadas in order to, like, quote, reproduce with anything it can. And it ensures the fungus gets as many possible mates to infect. Uh, Do they have zombie cicada babies? No, cancel the baby shower, just Oh, damn it. <laughs> Get nothing on the registry. They are sterile following infection, um, but they don't die in the technical sense. They remain zombie cicadas for the rest of their life cycle. Now, here's a big question that I'm sure has had lots of people up at night. Could zombie fungi ever make the jump to infect humans? It's unlikely, or so researchers and scientists say. However, there are some theories that are a little bit unsettling and might keep you up a little at night. Uh, And a lot of that just has to do with our planet. As the climate warms and temperatures rise, some fungi are figuring out how to keep living in higher temperatures. Hmm, you know, that means. (laughs) Zombie fungi spring break. (laughs) Zombie fungi spring break. (laughs) But but we insects are cold-blooded. Don't fungi usually like cold, moist conditions? Yes, but research does show that the average human body temperatures are currently falling by 0.05% per decade. It used to be 98.6 Fahrenheit, and now it's said to be about 97.5 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so we're getting colder. Yes, and potentially more at risk for fungal infections by zombie spores. (laughs) Great. Uh, But don't worry. Don't worry, because researchers say this probably won't happen for a few million years. Probably. Okay, great. I'll be. Well, I might still be here. No, I'll be long gone. Yeah. It is connected to climate too. And speaking of, while human controlling fungi may not be totally realistic yet, there are some scary organisms that have already been raised from the proverbial dead. In 2014, researchers from the Centre National de la Recherche Scientifique in France dug an organism out of the Siberian permafrost. What was it, Jess? A 30,000-year-old giant virus named Pithovirus Sibiricum. What makes P. Sibiricum so scary is that it contains over 500 genes. Now, an average human virus such as HIV only has 12 so compare that, 500 to 12. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, the virus only attacked amoebas when it was reanimated, which are unicellular. Yes, no attacks on humans or animals. Now, as our permafrost continues to thaw, global warming, it's possible that similar viruses, which are buried within it, could be exposed thanks to the warming climate. This puts humans at risk from these impossible-to-kill viruses. It's, I think it's kind of like, you know, when we build that bacteria resistance, too. Mm-hmm. It's like we're altering our nature to to not have natural protections against these things. Yeah. And hopefully they're not flesh eating also. Oh my gosh, Jess, we'd be the first to go so delicious. (gasps) We are just so sweet. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so where the heck did humans even get this wacky idea that the dead would rise and eat human flesh, that that's what they would want to do? Uh, well, some of this we can trace to the tribes of West Africa and the early slave trade. And we are going to talk about that more after a word from our sponsors. When I have an upcoming trip abroad, my go-to travel hack is the language learning app, Babbel. When you're traveling, communication is key to fully experiencing a new culture, and that's where Babbel comes in. And we're busy gals, Jess. We sure okay. are. And thankfully, these lessons are only 10 minutes long, so we can start having real-life conversations in as little as three weeks. Babbel builds their lessons around real life. You learn how to have practical conversations about travel super fast. One thing I really love is that they have native speakers voicing their lessons so I can hear how to pronounce the words right. Yes, that is so important. And you can also practice your accent with speech recognition technology. So like you're talking and the app is is taking it in and, and can recognize it. It's very, very, very cool. Um, like we've come so far in, in these learning language programs and Babbel is like the top of the game. I know I use it a little bit to brush up on my French because I'm from Canada and, you know, you don't use it, you lose it. And you use it for Spanish, right, Jess? I do. And it actually just came in handy last week because I was in Mexico and I was able, like, very simple things like, hey, I want a nice latte because <laughs> they had a coffee bar and I was just like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, speak ah. some Spanish. Well, merveille, that is French. <laughs> um, there are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can also access podcasts, games, videos, stories, even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Right now, get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash 30mm. That's babbel.com slash 30mm for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. 30 Morbid Minutes is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, we're all always changing and growing. Really getting to know yourself is a lifelong process. And it can be hard to pinpoint what we want out of life or even just understand why we react to things the way we do. We talk about this a lot, Jess. We're always sending each other memes <laughs> to do with like <laughs> mental health and things like that. Um, and I think rather than sending memes, we both know that actually going to therapy can help speed up that process. A hundred percent. Therapy is super helpful because it's all about learning greater self-awareness and having an understanding of why you do some of the things that you do. Yes. And then having an impartial party to listen and then weigh in on why you do those things you do, it makes it a lot easier. Yes. To get some perspective. And if you're thinking of giving therapy a shot, BetterHelp is a great option. They'll connect you with a licensed therapist who can help you get to know your inner self and also maybe discover if you're a curly-haired person like myself. Which you discovered recently, <laughs> which I love. Um, BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and they match you with a licensed therapist. And you can switch any time for no additional costs. You know, we've both done therapy and seen the benefits or just even like recognized things in ourselves that we wouldn't have otherwise. Yes. One of the biggest things for me is even though I might be self-aware on some things, I don't know how to fix those problems I have or the, or the things I am self-aware about. And therapy has really helped me kind of like build a tool chest of awesome tools that I can use whenever I'm kind of like in a pinch or I'm trying to figure out a situation or have conflict with another person. It's been great. So discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 30MM today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 30MM. 
So back to the episode, the idea that humans would rise from the grave and want to eat people came from some folklore from West Africa, right, Jess? Mm-hmm. In 1505, Diego Columbus, Christopher Columbus's son, started bringing West Africans to Haiti against their will as slaves. Yes, stemming from the Congo language of West Africa, the root words zumbi or fetish and nzambi, god, refer specifically to the name of a snake deity in voodoo cults. Folklore and voodoo practices were survival mechanisms for these people used to endure the harsh conditions they faced in their new world. And it's in this Haitian folklore that the idea of zombification first really took legs. Took legs. (laughs) When walked on them. (laughs) (laughs) The Haitian slaves believed that they would return to Africa and the afterlife beckoned from their graves by the voodoo deity Baron Simdi. However, if they behaved badly or offended him in some way, they would forever be a slave after death, basically a zombie. In voodoo religions, there are three components to a human, to the essence of a human. A corpse cadaver, the physical body. The guanban anji, the animating principle. And the tibonange, agency, awareness, and memory. When zombifying someone, the voodoo sorcerer or bokur would extract the T-bone edge, awareness, agency, and memory of the person and then keep it in a jar, like a trinket. <laughs> uh, once in the jar, it is referred to as the zombie astral, which is also just a really great band name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Extracting the T-bone edge is often a result of poisoning using a zombie powder called coupe podre. There are a number of different zombie powders typically containing toxins produced by the cane toad and an irritant from the Hyla tree frog. But the main ingredient in the zombie powder is tetrodotoxin, which causes death by paralysis. In some doses, it slows the heart rate and paralyzes the person, keeping them fully conscious. The poisoned person is pronounced technically dead, right? Mm -hmm. And they're buried alive. And then a few days later, the voodoo sorcerer returns to the buried body and digs it up. The sorcerer then gives them another cocktail of poison, which leaves the zombified person in a state of delirium or disorientation. Yes, and while in this state, the zombie person can't speak, they have no memory, they really no longer resemble themselves as a person. So now the zombie becomes this like slave, and the boker or sorcerer can use the zombie person for whatever they want. The zombie is not released from its slavery until the boker dies. Then it can return to its village or the place of burial for final death. A boker's major concern, their threat, is salt. While Haitian zombies are said to not be particularly dangerous, giving them salt will return their senses and restore their personality, almost like waking them from a a slumber. This will lead the zombies attacking the Bokar who created them. In 1962, there was actually a verifiable account of a real-life zombie in Haiti. On April 30th, 1962, a man named Claverius Narcisse admitted himself to an American hospital run in Deschapelles, Haiti. He had a fever, was extremely fatigued, and was spitting up blood. The doctors could not figure out what was wrong with him, and his symptoms became worse. He appeared in quotes, to die three days later. He was pronounced dead by hospital staff and held in cold storage for a day. As per his account, Narcisse was buried on May 2nd, 1962. His coffin was exhumed and he was given a hallucinogenic paste. The Bokur who exhumed him forced him to work as a slave on a sugar plantation until the sorcerer's death. 16 years later, Narcisse walked into the city of Le Ester and was instantly recognized by the villagers. His family even confirmed it was, in fact, their dear Narcisse. I'm always skeptical of this stuff, so I can only just take an account at face value. 
This is wild. It really, really is. Yeah. And then he, so he got home, told his family about his time as a zombie and the voodoo powder he was given for 16 years. And everyone was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 And after that, he became known as the man who just was a zombie. In an essay for the New York Times, Amy Wilentz referred to zombies as a very logical offspring of new world slavery because slavery in colonial Haiti was so viciously brutal Death was the only real escape and seen as a way to return to Africa. To become a zombie was the slave's worst nightmare. To be dead and still a slave, an eternal field hand. But we believe in Narcisse. He was totally a zombie. I'm trying to believe in it. (laughs) I mean, I I feel so bad for Narcisse. Yeah. Our always, always reliable and trustworthy government officials say there is no need to worry about a zombie apocalypse anytime soon, if at all. But... Maybe just as like a ha-ha prank. (laughs) In May 2011, the Center for Disease Control did release a disaster plan, Preparedness 101 Zombie Apocalypse. God damn. (laughs) I mean, there's a part of me that's just like, this is exciting, but also no, not now. I want to be dead looking down on Earth watching this happen one day. I just don't (laughs) want to be a part. You want the fun of it. Of course. Of course. Absolutely. Yes. Um, Yeah. But yeah, you know, with this disaster plan, Americans were urged to stock up on water, foods, medications, and other life essentials, quote, at least uh, to get you through the first couple of days before you can locate a zombie-free refugee camp. <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah. The CDC also encouraged people to plan their evacuation routes because when zombies are hungry, they won't <laughs> stop until they get food, i.e. brains, <laughs> which means you need to get out of town fast. CD- CDC was having like a whole laugh. Maybe they were on LSD. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, But yeah, though, the CDC wrote and released this blog post as a disaster preparedness marketing campaign. The post was supposed to be educational entertainment. They figured if you could get people to prepare for a zombie apocalypse, they, you know, would be prepared for any disaster that could happen. Well, it worked a little too much because people really paid attention to this and the campaign went viral pun intended. Uh, the day it posted to the CDC website, traffic went from 80 views per hour to 3,000 per hour, crashing the website. And for context, the CDC usually only gets about 1,000 views on its site per month. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like that definitely went up back in like 2020. But yeah, a fictional zombie apocalypse is fun, but a zombie apocalypse in real life would absolutely destroy humanity as we know it. Yeah. And you might be asking, like, how can we possibly prepare if we don't even know what flavor of zombie we are going to get? The fast ones, the slow ones, the Mm -hmm. dumb ones, the smart, like, who knows? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In 2015, researchers from Cornell created a zombie simulator that mimics how a zombie outbreak would actually go down in the U.S. You can even change your speed and kill rate. Like what? Yeah, you can try the simulator online. So I did what any good friend would do and put a zombie in my friend Jessica's city to see what the effects would be. Of course you did. Okay, what happened? Because you have not told me this. Okay, this lonely little zombie. Um, let's call her, I don't know, Elise. <laughs> so Elise, the zombie, walked at about 11 minutes per mile with an 80% bite to kill rate. Jeez. About the speed of the zombies in the movie Shaun of the Dead, which Jess loves. Yes. Um, an average human walks a mile in about 15 to 22 minutes. So kind of little Elise is a little, maybe speedy little Elise. You're a little speed runner. Great. I'm not going to have nightmares <laughs> about like zombie Elise now. Yeah, if you weren't me. already having nightmares about regular Elise. <laughs> okay. So like the trope we've seen a lot of movies, this one zombie, zombie Elise is patient zero. And 
she had a major impact, to say the least. Do you want the good news or the bad news first, Jess? Oh my God, give me the bad news. So um, in my simulator, within 24 hours, the entire city of Austin was wiped out. (laughs) (laughs) There was a slim chance for escape. Um, Within 48 hours, the zombies overtook the highways, wiped out the suburbs, but we don't need the suburbs. We all know downtown Austin's where it's at. Yeah. Okay. Um, by two weeks, 50% of the Texas population became zombies, which, I mean, come on, it's just Texas. Yeah. Um, after a month, the zombies covered most of the South and Midwest. And this is where we get into the Florida panhandle. Jeez. Uh, 48 days later, zombies were on the state lines of Pennsylvania and already covered half of Wisconsin. My God. Uh, the state of Florida was completely wiped out. Uh, RIP Florida, man. And all of the Midwest was gone. By 79 days, the entire country east of the Mississippi River was zombified. Whew, wow. Okay. Took a deep breath. That is terrifying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you said you had- I, go- I apologize. Yeah. But you said there was like some good news. What's that? Yes. Okay. So miraculously, Jess, for you and me and for little zombie Elise, <laughs> the zombies never crossed the Mississippi River or the Rocky Mountains. The West Coast survived. I am okay, Jess. Wow. Oh, Wow. <laughs> I'm okay. Alive. Wow, you're alive. Okay. So they're yes. just like, are they so these are dumb? They just can't swim, climb the mountains. They couldn't make it over the Rockies, but I'm fine, Jess. I survived. LA is fine. We're good. This is another ploy to get me to move to LA, isn't it? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. Yes. God damn mm-hmm. though. That's insane. Yes. And and even though we are using this now as a basis to get you to LA, I have to admit this sim got me a little worried. We need to train you, Jessica, quickly in the art of zombie destruction, how to kill a zombie. I would love, I would love to. Yes. And mm-hmm. also, luckily, there are actually a lot of zombie universes out there to take notes from. Yes. Okay. And some of the big ones, shot to the head. Yes. You know, decomposition. They can't survive the hot summer. Um, major injury or impediment, like cut them off at the legs. They can only crawl. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are some zombie tropes that carry across, but so many movies and books and shows have their own rules. So like, yeah. you know, which one do we follow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 28 days later, they're fast zombies. They're not decomposing. They might starve, but they like don't die directly from a headshot. Um, they're governed by a man-made rage virus that like takes effect almost immediately. Um, they transmit through bites and also vomit. Vomit being a big, God, oh gosh, I, know. I can't even imagine. No, because it just spews mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Gets in everything. I was actually just watching this the other day, but in the movie World War Z, the zombies are slow with minimal climbing ability. Then the virus was man-made and has an incubation time of six hours to one week. The zombies have a decomposition time of four to 12 years and a headshot does kill them. They transmit through bites. Isn't there that moment in the movie where like they're they're all like piling on yes. each other to climb over a yes, wall? Yes, exactly. They got smart. Like what yeah. happened? Do you know what I mean? They're like, oh, we can you know stand on each other because we can't climb alone. Yeah. Um, so Ugh. fuck. Like, like worker ants. Um, <laughs> yeah. In Night of the Living Dead, the movie that made George Clinton pee his pants when they stumbled on the set, <laughs> uh, the zombies are slow. Infections kind of fast and within minutes, and uh, the characters believe the zombie virus is a space borne virus. Or that there was simply, quote, no more room in hell, which is <laughs> badass. So badass. Um, yeah. Spoiler. Dwayne Jones plays Ben, the only person in the movie to escape the zombie apocalypse, only to be shot down by government oh, officials. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, lots of critics believe that the director, George A. Romero, meant this is a commentary on racism in America during the civil rights era. Romero denies this was his, his intention, but it's still a popular film theory and, and lens to watch the movie through. Movies and TV tend to play off the main three zombie tropes, chemical zombies reanimated through toxins or a nuclear disaster, parasitic zombies like the fungi we talked about earlier, and then supernatural zombies, including religious or magical zombies. The proper name you'll see a lot for a group of zombies is a horde. Zombies are not living organisms, so they do not multiply through reproduction. <laughs> Sadly, no zombie babies uh, unless they're bitten by a baby, I guess. Oh, wait, no, I guess well, I guess it'd be a baby bitten by a zombie. <laughs> yes, ex- yes, exactly. I had I had a really not a great mental image of just zombies fornicating. And I was like, I don't need, a, I don't need that. Um, Is, but isn't that a thing in the Zack, the new Zack Snyder zombie movie? I'm trying to remember. I watched it and it's like completely wiped from my brain, but I think. I don't know. Was it pregnant? I, I can't remember. Okay. Tell us in the comments. Oh, yeah, tell us in the comments. <laughs> That's a weird one. Um, yeah. Most zombies are visual and auditory predators, meaning that they are attracted to large noises and can absolutely recognize us humans. Oh, yes. In the video game Left 4 Dead, it's a big thing. You don't want to set off the witch. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and don't worry, whatever flavor of zombie you end up having to kill, they can't feel pain. Generally speaking, uh, they do not have any higher brain function, emotions, etc. The body is what's being manipulated. Yeah. Zombies also don't typically have any feelings. They don't have any like dopamine, serotonin, or memories in their brains. So I guess we'll never see real zombies love in our lifetime. Did you see the movie Warm Bodies? No, believe it or not, I haven't. And I love the actress too. I need to see it. I, f- I think that's that's the plot of that movie, right? Is there's like- they, they, they love. At least from the trailer, at least from all the, you know, research I've done on it. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's an exception. Um, there's also, I think a couple other, like the, the girl with all the gifts and then Fido. Yeah. The girl with all the gifts was like a book that then got made into a series. And basically there are, I think what happens in that, if I remember correctly, correctly because I read the book was that the 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 next generate there's a generation of kids that are born t- from zombies and people try to kind of like acclimate them and and make them human like they send them to class they're they're all at the special mm-hmm. school and they send them to classes and they're trying to make these kids that like almost um nurture over nature make them override their natural zombie tendencies Man, so, I really haven't seen concept. it, but I would love to because that's that's an interesting take on it. And I just don't know if you can do that. I, I'm over here saying like, this is real. I'm like, I don't know if yeah. I don't think that can work. <laughs> they're just they're hardwired. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there, there's another movie from many years ago now, I guess maybe like 10 or 15 years ago called Fido, where it's like a picturesque kind of suburban neighborhood that is set, set in and everybody has like these zombie servants. There was a zombie outbreak, but they found a way to like domesticate them and make them like they're basically like they're gardeners, they're house cleaners, all this stuff. And then kind of there's this boy, I think, if memory serves, that like de- develops a relationship with a zombie of friendship. This plot sounds so familiar. I feel like I've seen it. And maybe I have. You might you might have. It's I like those like kind of off kilter premises because, yes. you know, I think there's the traditional zombie stuff like Resident Evil where it's like there's an outbreak. But then the, the stuff like Train to Busan where it mm-hmm. plays with the genre. Um, even like we, you know, we talked about types of zombies, but like video games are also really fascinating to me mm-hmm. and how they handle zombies because they'll make classes of zombies. Yeah. Like Left for Dead, you know, you've got the boomer that you've got the spitter, you've got mm-hmm. the the jockey who will like ride a person. Like 
the the ways that they can use or creatively come up with all these different types it makes it even more horrifying yeah but yeah zombie folklore has survived hundreds and hundreds of years uh undead stories being passed down through generations as warnings traditions tools for survival or just like kind of like like parables or f- fun scary things that we watch as movies or read as books yeah i feel like we as humans are so obsessed with zombies that I just feel like, and we've been talking about them for years and, and obviously, yeah, so many books, movies, entertainment. I feel like somebody's in a lab doing something just to like watch it happen, you know, yeah. just like kind of just want to release it and just see what happens. I just feel like oh. it's being worked on. I don't know. <laughs> or, or like, I mean, I don't know. I, I try to, I, I think I am naturally skeptical, but I do also think that there are wild things that get worked on that we have no idea. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, the word for being super afraid of zombies, I don't know if I'd be super afraid of them. Oh, oh if they were fast, I I absolutely would be. But if they were slow, I think I would ha- I I wouldn't be as afraid. Still still afraid, but I would just be like, okay, at least I have like a couple seconds to like get my shit together <laughs> before yeah. I smack it across <laughs> the face. But um, there's a word for being afraid of zombies, and it's kind mortophobia. And considering the term zombie apocalypse refers to a pandemic in which zombies take over the planet, it's not surprising to learn that in 2023, kind mortophobia is relatively common. <laughs> yeah, I think like especially after the pandemic, it's easily to like imprint on other stuff that where we can displace our anxieties and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And in a way, the existence of zombies has helped uh, humans talk about things that are hard to talk about, like racism, slavery, climate change. Yeah. Even the CDC realized that Americans thought more about zombies than perhaps floods or tornadoes, and they used that to educate people. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of a appreciation for the undead. Yep. You know? Yep. 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 <laughs> well, and while a real zombie apocalypse is super creepy and fun to fantasize about, it's most likely not going to happen. Most likely. <laughs> but I would love to see what zombie Elise, what kind of ground she could make. I wonder if you, yeah, I wonder if you would recognize me though. And just, there was a, oh. there was a small part of you that like wouldn't oh. attack me. Oh, we would definitely have that moment. I think, so. I would hope so. You would see in my eyes, you would, and you would, <laughs> You would see in my eyes that like faint glimmer of emotion of recognition. And then the zombie would be like, Jessica. And then I'd be like, she's still in there. And and then you'd pull, I'd like, you would see me recognize you. Yep. And then you would pull out a gun and shoot me in the head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd be like, she didn't know who I was. <laughs> <laughs> you tell the people you're with. Mm, no, nah, it's, bl- it's all blank up there. <laughs> she didn't she's say gone. anything before I shot her. Nothing. You, you literally, literally hear the zombie moan, Jessica. And then pow. <laughs> Uh, there was no one there's nothing up there it's pure zombie pure zombie but also you know if you did say that i was like she's just messing with me she's just saying jessica but she gonna come and kill me because you because you know you know even as a zombie i'm gonna have a little fun with it oh for sure no absolutely because you're this is who you are it's just either zombie or human you are the way you are at least so You know, oh my gosh. And if you want to see more of the way I am and Jessica is in this show, you can follow us on social media at Jessica Vasami, at Elise Williams, at 30 Morbid Minutes. Yeah, give us a follow. We would love to see. We have some new merch at the Rooster Teeth store. Um, We have a new hoodie, a new t-shirt. We have a little 30 Morbid Minutes enamel pin that is the cutest thing. So if you're a pin collector, go grab yourself one. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I love Um, it. It's my favorite. 
And tune in next week where we will be talking about the Radium Girls. I'm getting real mad, <laughs> probably. <laughs> yes, that one's going to be a fun one. But this one, I loved this episode. I think this one people are going to have a good time with. So I, I hope so. Anyway, mm-hmm. Jess, uh, I guess I got to go and uh, eat this weird mushroom thing for lunch that okay. I don't know what it is, cool. but it looks really good. Don't come anywhere close to me. All right. I'll just put myself across the Mississippi or the Rockies and you won't find me. Move to L.A., Jessica. Okay. Bad bye, zombie Elise. Bad bye, human Jessica. Jessica.